Good morning. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 20. 2 Kings chapter 20. And also, I have a new harmony for you today. Paul, there's a box back there. There's harmonies and there's family Bible readings. So we're just going to do the harmonies. Could you come pass those out for me? And there's also a sign-up sheet there. So when you pass them out, can you make sure to check off the people who get their copies so we know that those who signed up got their copies? So the ones that don't have a picture on the front are the harmonies. There's just a few of the family Bible readings. And so we're going to use this this morning. Now what's really fascinating about the passages in this last harmony, this is the last harmony that will get us through the rest of the kings. And uh, what's interesting about this one is how many parallel passages there are, not from just 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, but also from Isaiah, which is really exciting to me because it's kind of like the Gospels in that we have three records we have three records, one from 2 Kings, one from 2 Chronicles, and one from Isaiah. And it's really fascinating to compare them side by side as I have in this harmony for you. It's really intriguing. And today, um, we're going to be looking here at the reign of Hezekiah. And we're going to jump back and forth between these different books so that we can get all the detail. Um, you can see here that Second Chronicles, if you turn to page 4, has some of the least amount of detail. But the reason I have you turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 20 is because the most complete record is recorded in 2 Kings. But if you only read 2 Kings, you would miss some very important details, as well as commentary. And so this morning, you can follow along in your Bibles in 2 Kings 20 and or in your harmony. Now, just another word as I distribute this new harmony, this doesn't replace your Bible. In fact, I've done some rearranging. All of the text is, is in here, but I've done some rearranging to also put it in chronological order. And by doing so, I change up, really, a piece of the inspired record is not just the words themselves, but the order in which they are laid out for us. And um, it's not entirely word specifically in order, but the concepts of order. And so don't just read this to the neglect of reading it in the way that it was presented in each individual place, because there's some significance to how the Lord had the scripture his inspired writers lay it out and some details. Uh, for example, you see on the front here that this has 2 Kings 18 to 25, but when you turn to the first page, it gives a few verses from chapter 18 and it jumps right to chapter 20. Well, that's because the goal here is to be chronological, but it's interesting that in the inspired record, the order puts and mixes events up. I think there's some good reasons why the Holy Spirit inspired it that way, because there is an emphasis, and it's an emphasis we're going to learn a little bit about today, and more significantly next week, and that is the glorying of God, realizing who we are and the greatness and glory of God. But we'll get into that more as we go. So here you have your harmonies, and it's an intriguing switcheroo between the three different accounts. And in order to get the complete account, you need all three. Second Kings chapter 20 does not include all the detail. You will miss things if you read just Second Kings 20. And if you read just Second Chronicles, and 2 Kings, you'll miss things. And there are only things recorded for us in Isaiah. And so we need all three parts to get the complete account. All right. Now, let's look at our timeline again. We've come a long way from these days, haven't we? The last of the judges, the first of the kings, Saul, David, and Solomon. But you know what? 
We're going to find out as we learn some more things about Hezekiah that we need to know about these people. And the reason is, is because Solomon, Solomon had been writing Proverbs, right? He's famous for writing Proverbs. But you know, some of Solomon's Proverbs uh, hadn't been, well, it's not real clear exactly what happened to him. There's a lot of his Proverbs that seem to have not gotten published, or they had been published, but they were just in fragments. You know how sometimes different things are done and different Proverbs are written or songs are written, and uh, it may take time for them to be written and time for them to actually make it into a book? Well, that's kind of what likely happened with some of Solomon's Proverbs. Some of his Proverbs he had written, and they may have been published as a little pamphlet here or a pamphlet there, but they had not yet been compiled. They had not yet been put together and published. And I don't mean published as in click print and it spits them out because they didn't have that back then. Published meant that there were some guys, a whole crew of them, who sat down and wrote them out, made a scroll of these Proverbs. Well, so here we see Solomon at this time here. He died in, in 975 B.C., at which time the kingdom divided. The northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. And you see, that's there in, in the 900s, and we keep going through history, and we continue on, and oh, now we find Hezekiah there, the bottom right. You see Hezekiah there, and the start of his reign there at the yellow line. Here in Hezekiah's reign, all these years later. So we're in the 700s now. So we were up in the 900s, the high 900s, and now we're down in the 700s. So what is that? 200 years? 200 years have gone by, and there have been many proverbs of Solomon that have not been published or haven't been compiled. How do we know this? Well, you have your Bible there in 2 Kings chapter 20. Turn over to the book of Proverbs. Now, you probably always thought Proverbs was all written by Solomon. And you're right, it was. But there's an interesting historical note here about the editions. Isn't that a fun way of putting it? We have first, second, third editions, right? Well, in the days of Hezekiah, 200 years after Solomon lived, we read this in Proverbs chapter 25. These are also Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. And so we find then Proverbs chapter 25 all the way down through Proverbs chapter 29 are compiled together now and are published by Hezekiah. And if you read these Proverbs, it's kind of interesting because a lot of the Proverbs, as you continue on, are just short little sayings of truth. Just short little sayings of truth. And so it's very possible that we don't know for sure, but it's very possible that when these were originally written, they may have been written by Solomon when he was an old, old man or when he was a young man, or we don't know when they were written, but they may have just been published as little snippets of just little slips of paper that would be distributed or little posters or banners that would have been hung in Jerusalem of these truths. And now 200 years later, these little snippets of truth, these little proverbs were compiled by Hezekiah and were copied out by the scribes that Hezekiah appointed. And so now they're brought forth. Now, I find it interesting, and we don't have time to do this this morning, but in preparing the historical account of Hezekiah, I found it very interesting to read these Proverbs. Because you know, there's some of these Proverbs that have a tie-in directly with Hezekiah. With Hezekiah. In fact, if we look at one of these Proverbs that was published here of Solomon by Hezekiah in chapter 27 and verse 1. Look with me at Proverbs 27, verse 1. This proverb that Hezekiah's men copied out of Solomon's says this, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring 
forth. How many of us make plans for tomorrow? This, this is the new year, isn't it? Have you made plans for 2022? I have. Sometimes, though, these lightly, it seems that we don't want to make plans because they just get all messed up. We've got to be careful that we don't let that happen to us. We still need to be making plans, but we boast not in tomorrow, for we know not what tomorrow may bring forth. Think of all the plans you had in 2020. Ha, 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 ha. Hope you weren't boasting yourself in the morrow of 2020. Those all changed, didn't they? That's why in James it tells us that we ought to say if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. We don't boast ourselves of tomorrow, for we know not what a day may bring forth. Well, this is an interesting proverb that Hezekiah's men had copied out from Solomon. But you know what's interesting? When Hezekiah was only 29 years old, 29, I'm sorry, not 29, 39 years old. Now, most of you might consider that young or old, I don't know, you know. You know, some of you kids think 39. Wow, that's old. That's older than my dad. 39. And some of you are like, oh, if only I could be 39 again. That was young. Well, I'm going to have a young 39-year-old come up here. Elijah, can you come up here and be Hezekiah? And remember this proverb that you have copied out. Your men have copied out. Did you hear it? What did it say? Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring. So here we have Hezekiah. 39 years old. Can you imagine that? Oh, that's scary. Let's see, how old will I be when Elijah's 39? Oh, that's even scarier. 39 years old. Most people would say, He's in the prime of life, right? This is the age in which you might be tempted to boast of tomorrow. And Hezekiah has been doing a lot of things. Hezekiah has brought about great reform. He's brought great good into the kingdom. Unlike his father, he is a godly king. He is doing that which is right. He has reinstituted the worship at the temple of Jehovah. He has gotten rid of the high places, the idolatrous worship centers, and the altars that had been built all around Jerusalem, and even in the temple of Jehovah. He's rebuilt the temple, and not just this. He has accumulated masses of wealth. He has accumulated masses of wealth, and he has built and fortified cities all across Judah. He has had a population surge, not just in his kingdom of people from Judah, but he's had people migrating from the north because the north is falling apart, both spiritually and, if you look at the timeline there, you see in 722 B.C., Israel falls to Assyria. And so Judah, meanwhile, though under the threat of Assyria, just like Israel was, is prosperous and is growing and is becoming great. Hezekiah, he's a guy who is working on republishing the Proverbs of Solomon. And not just the Proverbs of Solomon. We find out later in the book of Isaiah that Hezekiah is a songwriter like David. He writes psalms. It's possible that some of the psalms that we have in the book of Psalms that are anonymous were written by Hezekiah. 39 years old. Yes, there's a threat of Assyria, but Hezekiah is doing well. There's one interesting thing about him, though, if you look at the timeline of his life. If we look and zoom in on Hezekiah's life. You can see here Hezekiah, his father Ahaz, his grandfather Jotham. Hezekiah was born back here in the days of his grandfather Jotham's reign. He became king here in 0726 BC. He inherited a kingdom that was in disastrous. It was disastrous, the kingdom. And yet he, in that very first month of his reign, called the people to serve the Lord. 
So we learn of some of those events. Then you can see the end of Hoshea up there in the northern kingdom. That was the end of Israel. And a lot of the events we're going to learn about today take place here in 712 B.C., when he is 39 years old. Now, we skipped over chapter 18 because it doesn't fall chronologically in order. It actually, the events of chapter 18 actually occur over in 708 B.C., in a few years, 709. Now, if you look here at these last two lines, the events we're looking at here today are there the second to the last yellow line. And he's 39 years old. But there's another piece of information that's not really readily given to us. We have to compare and draw some lines and do some calculations to figure this out. But there's a very important event in Hezekiah's life that hasn't happened. What is one of the major, major events of life, your birth, right? Your death, right? What are some others? Your marriage. What else? Children. The birth of your children. We don't know when Hezekiah was married, but we know that at 39 years old, he had no children because his firstborn son, Manasseh, was not born by comparing Scripture with Scripture until 709 B.C., five years after the events we're going to learn about today. So here we have Hezekiah, the great king, a godly king, one of the best kings that Judah has seen yet since the days of David. And we have a king who has every right, you might say, writes the wrong word, but every reason to boast himself of today and to boast himself of tomorrow. Well, maybe except for the fact that he's childless. But here at 39 years old, something happens to Hezekiah. You get sick. You fall ill. So here, come on over here, and you just limp up these stairs, and you lay down there sick. You know what's actually happening? Well, I won't tell you ahead of the story. For it tells us in 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse 1 that in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. This is serious. Very serious. And so the prophet Isaiah comes. You know, sometimes preachers come visit people when they're sick. And here comes the prophet Isaiah. Now, I don't know, have, have any of you ever visited somebody who was sick? Oh, yes, many of you have. How many of you came in to visit that person and said, good morning, get ready to die? How many of you ever done that? Hey, I'm raising my hand. You know, actually, I have. I've actually said very similar to what Isaiah says here. Not quite the same. Half of what Isaiah says. I just ask it as a question. But you know what? We don't normally do this. We don't normally do what Isaiah says. Listen, listen. Isaiah comes to Hezekiah, and he says unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Now the first part I've said, Set your house in order, please. Set your house in order. Do you have your will? Do you have your trust? Do you have your things set up? Do you have provision set for the care of your children? These are important things. So by the way, since none of you are in the hospital, do you have your wills? Do you have the, the guardianship of your children set up? If you don't, set your house in order. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. You know not what it may bring. You may not see the third day of 2022. So set your house in order. Get yourself a will. That's kind of what's going on here kind of what's going on here. But he goes a little bit further than I. I have never gone like he did. For thou shalt die and not live. Oh, I wonder if Hezekiah, you're remembering that proverb that you've had your scribes, your men republish. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what the day 
may bring. 39 years old, airless. And he hears from the prophet of the Lord, saying, Thus saith the Lord, set thine house in order, thou shalt die and not live. And so, as Isaiah turns to leave, Hezekiah, he turns his face to the wall. And he prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth with a perfect heart, and have done all that which is good in thy sight. And he wept. He prayed to the Lord, and he wept. And it came to pass, before Isaiah was gone out into the middle of the court, before he'd even made it out of the palace, that the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. Ah, God has made some promises to Hezekiah, this sick man. Isaiah is going to come back now, and he's going to deliver this message of the Lord to Hezekiah. And as you hear him bring this report, I want you to look for some things. I want you to listen for some things. I want you to listen for the promises. God says, I will. And I want you to notice and pay attention to what God says, I will do. And I want you to count them for me. Can you do that? How many times does God make a promise? And what are those I wills? So here, Hezekiah has prayed after being told that he will not live but die. He prays to the Lord and he weeps to God. Then Hezekiah comes, or Isaiah comes back in. And he says, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. And the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years. And I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. Do you hear the promises? How many were there who caught? How many? Four. Four. He says, I will heal thee. Does that sound exciting, Hezekiah? I will heal thee. In three days, you're going to be well enough that you're going to be able to go up to the temple. And I will add unto thy days 15 years. You got a guaranteed life of 15 years, um, but that's it. That's kind of a dual-edged kind of promise, isn't it? And I will deliver this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. The threat of Assyria is still going on. Remember, Assyria, the northern kingdom, is already carried captive, and God says that's not going to happen here. Now, that's don't forget that promise, because it might be easy to forget that. Come here in a short time. And he says, and I will defend this city for mine own name's sake. He's going to deliver it out of the king of Assyria, and he's going to defend it. These four promises. And so Isaiah prescribes a treatment. Hezekiah had some kind of a boil or multiple boils. And Isaiah, he, he says, Take a lump of figs and lay it for a plaster upon the boil, and he shall recover. So that's what we do. Who wants to get some figs and put them on him? Well, that's what they did. For they took and they laid it upon the boil, and he recovered. And Hezekiah, he said unto Isaiah, What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me, 
and that I shall go up to, into the house of the Lord the third day. This sign shalt thou have of the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he hath spoken. Shall the shadow go forward ten degrees, or back ten degrees? It is a light thing for the shadow to go down ten degrees. Nay, but let the shadow return backward ten degrees. And then Isaiah the prophet, he cried unto the Lord, and he brought the shadow ten degrees backward, by which it had gone down in the dial of Ahaz. Wow. This is interesting in, in several ways. The first of all is, you remember your dad? You were alive during the days of your dad Ahaz when Isaiah came to your dad and said, ask a sign. Do you remember that? Isaiah came to his dad and said, ask a sign of the Lord. Whether it be in the heaven above or in the earth beneath, ask a sign. And do you remember what your dad said? Oh, I will not tempt the Lord. I will not ask a sign. Remember that? And God said to him, you can ask a sign in the heavens above or in the earth beneath. That's pretty big. I mean, wow. In the heavens above or in the earth beneath. Ahaz no refused it. And so God says, I'll give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and be with child. And shall bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah gave the great prophecy of the Messiah coming via a miracle, a virgin birth. Spectacular sign. Impossible. I wonder if Hezekiah was there that day when you offered that sign to Ahaz. Maybe all these years you've been like, do I get a chance to ask a sign in the heavens above or in the earth beneath? I don't know what Hezekiah thought. But on this day, he asked a sign. He asked a sign, how will I know that in three days I'll go up into the temple? And, and so Isaiah gives him a choice. I love it. The shadow on the dial of Ahaz, it can go forward or backward 10 degrees. You pick. Now, do you guys know what this is? Probably not, because we look at a clock up there, or we look at a clock on our wrists, or we look at a clock on our phones, and that's how we tell time. But that's not how you tell time in Jerusalem. They, they used shadows and where the sun was in the sky. Here's an illustration of one, but it's not likely the kind that was there in the days of Hezekiah. Now, this is a picture here depicting Isaiah and Hezekiah, and they're that little sundial. And I have a sundial. And if I were to take this outside, and I were to position this with this pointing north, it would put a shadow on what time it is. In fact, we maybe could actually come over here. These lights are too bright. And be able to get it to show us the time. No, everything's too bright and it's diffused. But maybe later today, if the sun comes out, you'll be able to see how it works. It's a sundial. See, this here, when the sun hits it, will cast a shadow on here, these numbers, and it would tell you what time it is. This is one kind of a sundial. There's another kind where it would be mounted um, up vertically like that. But then there was another kind. And here it's described as the dial of Ahaz. Apparently, Ahaz had built a clock in Jerusalem. Now, we haven't found any archaeological evidence of this in Jerusalem, but we know of how they used to do it, in that they would actually build gardens and stairs in those gardens. And they would build monuments or like pedestals or little like things like the Washington Monument in, in um, Washington, D.C., and as the sun would rise, those, those pyramids, those posts, would cast shadows on these stairs that would come. And sometimes the stairs were there, and there'd be another object here, and you could see that as the, day, um, as the day progressed, the shadow would move up and down on those stairs. And there would be two sets of them. And there were different ways that they did this. And it's very possible if you looked at Jerusalem, and you looked at where the royal palace was, and how it was situated, it's, it's possible that Ahaz had built this dial, this way of telling time, 
over perhaps on the other side of the Kidron Valley or further down in Jerusalem so that pretty much anyone in Jerusalem could check out, look out their windows and see, see what time it was by how the shadow was falling on the stairs in the dial of Ahaz. Now, very likely in the days of Ahaz, they used this not just to tell time, but to worship the sun, and that's not a good thing. But here the dial remains. So considering Hezekiah's reforms, he either abolished all the sun worship of it and kept the practical time-telling part of it, um, or it was always used just for time-telling. But here it is, and there's this, there's this shadow. Now, how many of you could get the earth to turn backwards? Probably couldn't. Is that what happened? I don't know. It's possible. God can do anything. I mean, he, it's impossible for a baby to be born, born of a virgin. But yet, he brought that sign to pass. It's a pretty great sign. He could. He could have changed the rotation of the earth. Now, when we start thinking about all the physics involved in that and the chaos and destruction that would come if that just happened the way we would do it, if we could even think of doing it, um, that, that would be a disaster. Now, I imagine that all those difficulties, God, in his creative, almighty power, could overcome them all and rotate the earth back. So if the shadow moved 10 degrees backwards. Or he could have just moved that shadow by reflect, refracting the light from the sun. And we know this actually does happen in different providential situations, of different conditions in the atmosphere where shadows can be refracted. It's happened. It's been recorded. There's been some events that have taken place in this. Perhaps God did it that way. But nonetheless, he moved that shadow 10 degrees. A miracle. A miracle. Whether in providential natural means or by actual heaven and earth being moved to bring it to pass. Amazing. The shadow moved back. 10 degrees on the dial of Ahaz. And you know what? Hezekiah, you got better three days later. And if you look here, take your Bibles, if you're using your Bibles or in your harmony, there's a piece here of the story, of the history, that's not recorded in Chronicles or recorded in Kings. You have to go to Isaiah chapter 38 and read there this psalm. For it says, The writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and was recovered of his sickness. I said in the cutting off of my days, I shall go to the gates of the grave. I am deprived of the residue of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord, even the Lord in the land of the living. I shall behold man no more with the inhabitants of the world. Mine age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. I have cut off like a weaver my life. He will cut me off with pining sickness. From day even to night wilt thou make an end of me. I reckon till morning that as a lion, so will he break all my bones. From day even to night wilt thou make an end of me. Like a crane or a swallow, so did I chatter. I did mourn as a dove. Mine eyes fail without looking, with looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. What shall I say? He hath both spoken unto me, and, hath, and himself hath done it. I shall go softly all my years in the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So wilt thou recover me, and make me to live. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. For thou hast cast all my sins behind my back. For the grave cannot praise thee, death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. The living, the living, 
he shall praise thee, as I do this day. The Father to the children shall make known thy truth. The Lord was ready to save me, therefore we will sing my songs to the stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. The Psalm of Hezekiah. An amazing description of life, death, but then also if you read it carefully, you'll see that whether he lives or dies, he knows he has hope. For he also acknowledges in that everlasting life. He wrote this psalm, he wrote this song, and Isaiah heard it. Isaiah got a copy of it. And the only reason we have it today is because the Holy Spirit, through Hezekiah and Isaiah, wrote it and preserved it to us this day. Do you see the description he gives there of his sins? His sins are described as what? Cast behind God's back. That's a description of forgiveness. God takes those sins that we have committed against Him, and when we confess them, He casts them behind His back. You can't see them anymore. It's as though they're not there. This causes Hezekiah to praise. Results in him writing songs. Notice there, therefore we will sing my songs, plural, to the stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. He wrote this song, and he wrote other songs. You ever heard of the songs of degrees? Song of degrees? Psalm 120 through Psalm 134. These are songs that the Jews would sing as they would go up the steps towards the temple. Fifteen steps, fifteen songs. Five of them are written by David. One of them is written either for Solomon or by Solomon. And the other nine are anonymous. Some have theorized that Hezekiah, just as he had compiled the Proverbs of Solomon, compiled these psalms and created this order of service using these songs from David, his own songs, presumably, and the Song of Solomon in creating this service of praise as a person would ascend the steps the 15 steps we find in, in the days of Zechariah's, or not Zechariah's, um, Zerubbabel and Ezra's, the temple they built, um, those 15 steps coming up. And they would sing these all the way to the days of Jesus. Those coming to Jerusalem would sing Psalm 120 through 134 on each step as they ascended to the temple. And it's believed that Hezekiah had either written some of these or at least was one who had compiled them for this special service. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring. A great wonder has been done. Hezekiah has been healed. He's been healed of a sickness unto death. This was pretty severe. Imagine as the news spreads around the world, the king of Judah is sick. The king of Judah is sick. The king of Judah is sick. And now imagine the headlines. The king of Judah, sick unto death, has fully recovered in three days. Not only that, but the shadow on the dial of Ahaz in Jerusalem went backwards 10 degrees. Wonder of wonders. Amazing. News spreads. Micaiah, you want to help me? All the way to a teeny-weeny little kingdom. Have you all heard of Babylon? I got this for Christmas. Yes, Babylon. Now, I called it a teeny-weeny little country. At this time in history, it's not that great of an empire. It's more like a city-state. Not that powerful. Not that great. At this time in history, Assyria is the scary country. Babylon is just a teeny-weeny little country and not a lot to be afraid of but they've heard about these wonders. There's a wonder they've heard. Now, what the wonder is, we don't know. Was it the healing of Hezekiah? Was it the shadow moving on the sundial? We're not sure. 
but you hear of this wonder. You've got a cool name. Check out your name. Your name is Baradak Baladan. Yes, you're the son of Baladan, king of Babylon. And he hears of this, and so he sends letters. Who wants to be his messenger? Anybody want to be his messenger? Nathan, you want to be his messenger? Come, come, Nathan. He sends letters and a present unto Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And so, we'll just imagine here that's a long letter. Bring the letter to Hezekiah from the king of Babylon. So he brings these letters to Hezekiah. He brings a treasure to Hezekiah because they, they had heard of, 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 of this wonder, it tells us. You see that, actually, this is why we need our harmony because over um, here in 2 um, in Chronicles, it tells us that the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon who were sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land. It says here, God left him to try him, that he might know all that was in his heart, Hezekiah's heart. And so these men come here to learn of the wonders. Now, all of you tell me, who is the glorious wonder in this account? I'll give you A, B, or C. A, Hezekiah. B, Isaiah. Or C, Jehovah. Which one is it? C. Well, you guys are smart. Who's the wonder worker? Jehovah. You've come to see the wonders. Ooh, this is a great opportunity for you to tell these Babylonians about Jehovah. But you know what Hezekiah does? He takes these ambassadors on a tour. And he shows them these treasures and these treasures. He takes them into his armory. He shows them his favorite sword. Probably had jewels on it. You know, kind of like some of you have favorite guns. He, he, had, he shows them all of his treasures, all of his riches, all of his weapons, all of his armory, all of the city he's built. Perhaps at this time, we don't know for sure, yet he had built his great aqueduct. Shows them all these great things. For it tells us in Chronicles that Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. For his heart was lifted up. Hezekiah had been sick unto death. God had healed him, had shown him a sign that people have grappled with to this day, a sign of the heavens moving. And the wonder of it spreads to Babylon, and ambassadors come to inquire of the wonders. And Hezekiah goes on to show them more wonders, the wonders of his treasury, of his armory. But he never mentions Jehovah. That's what Second Chronicles tells us. He rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. He did not give God glory. He did not even give thanks to the Lord because his heart, his heart, was lifted up. Hezekiah, you know one of the Psalms that your men copied out? Psalms 25, 27. It is not good to eat much honey. Did you know if you eat too much honey, you throw up? It's a natural body response if you eat too much honey. You'll throw it up. It's not good to eat too much honey. So for men to search their own glory is not glory. Here he is, boasting of his glory. Oh yes, they've come to see the wonder. He shows them more wonders. And he does not boast in the one who benefited him, in his God, but rather he boasts in himself. This is massive application to all of us today, especially with the prosperity that we have. When people see us and comment on what we have or what we've done do we have a lifted up heart 
and not render again the benefit received to us from God. This is one of the great ways in which we can be a witness for Jehovah. Same for Hezekiah. But instead, he goes through and shows them all the wonders, all the wonders, and does not return benefit to the Lord who gave it all to him. And these Babylonians went home with reports of wonders. The sundial shadow moving, the healing of King Hezekiah, the riches and armory of Hezekiah. But Hezekiah gave them no mention of Jehovah, his God. You know what you guys also did? You brought back reports of all these treasures. You know, kingdoms have always had different CIAs, you know. You know one thing CIAs do? The Central Intelligence Agency. You guys have your Central Intelligence Agency. You took notes of all these treasures, all these storerooms, all these places. But you're a wee little kingdom. You yourselves are serving Assyria. But not for long. So you guys just disappear for a little while. As we come back here to Hezekiah, for it tells us that then came Isaiah the prophet unto Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? They are from a far country, even from Babylon. What have they seen in thy house? All the things that are in, that are in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days come, carried in days come, that all that is in thine hand, in thine house, and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day, shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord, and of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt begat, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. Is it, is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? Isaiah has issued a prophecy, a rebuke against Isaiah. The treasures you have shown to the Babylonians, they will come and take. This is an amazing prophecy because, again, what I said, Babylon is just a wee little kingdom at this time. They are bowing to Assyria. A prophecy made over 100 years before it will come to pass. And though he doesn't even have any children at this time, no heirs, no descendants, prophecies are made regarding his descendants. Prophecies are made regarding his treasures, his riches. Now, how many of you, if you had someone come into you and give you such a rebuke, huh, you might have been like some other kings. You remember Ahaz? Not, it, well, we have Ahaz, and then we have Asa. I mean, even Asa. Uh, remember Ahab? Lock him up! How dare you question the king? Right? How dare you? Some of us act like that when we get rebuked, don't we? No, I'm not listening to you. But did you see what Hezekiah says? Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. I don't see anything good in this. And I think a lot of people were like, huh? All those people sitting around there. He says, good is the word of the Lord in this. And you're all, I'm surprised none of you were paying attention. You all should have been like, huh? What's wrong with him? And I think Hezekiah saw everybody looking at him like, huh? For he says, is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? What he's really saying there is not something that's being arrogant and sarcastic. What he's saying is God's showing me mercy because I really don't deserve to live. I really deserve to be carried away captive. But he is showing mercy to me in my days. How do we know that that's the attitude of Hezekiah? we have to look at 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 32 verse 26 says this, that when there was wrath upon Judah, it says, notwithstanding Hezekiah 
humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. He humbled himself. He failed. But in the end, at this point, he humbled himself. Received the rebuke. Remember those Proverbs you had copied out? Proverbs 27.5 says this, Open rebuke is better than secret love. Isaiah had given him open rebuke that was given in love. For the verse continues, the proverb, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Your rebuke felt like wounds. Have you ever been rebuked and it felt like you got stabbed? Felt like a wound? Sometimes we like to fight back when that happens. But really, we need to humble ourselves as Hezekiah did. For in that, those same Proverbs he copied out, in Proverbs 28, 13, it says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Hezekiah received mercy because he confessed and forsook them. His pride. Proverbs 29.1, again, a proverb you had your men copy out and publish. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed in that without remnity. Hezekiah humbled himself, received the rebuke, and received mercy. Let us learn from Hezekiah. Let us not be proud in heart. Let us seek her God. Let us not boast ourselves of tomorrow or boast in ourselves and our own glory but glorify God and be humble and walk humbly with our God. Gracious God, we thank you for your goodness. We need you. May we learn from Hezekiah. May you do a work in all of our hearts and lives. May we be a humble people who are always speaking and boasting in you. You are good. You are great. We love you. We praise you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.